0: Yeah, people over in North Carolina get it, too. One man. The night. One woman.
1: The name.
2: Battling the forces of evil.
1: This podcast is live, recorded,
3: oh so highly edited and uploaded from a bedroom in Redneck, Minnesota. This is... A
2: scribe and declare.
1: <laughs> I think we... It's always... How do we... How do we start after
0: that? Yeah, how do you come out of that? (laughs) Anyway. So intense. uh, This podcast kind of switched over to Ascribe and Declare because I wanted to add my wife instead of just having it just be intentional Christian podcast and me ranting for 15 minutes to 45 minutes. You're welcome. Yeah, which is (laughs) fine on one sense. It was fun to do. And I might even add that I made an intro so that if I do have a rant, I can just go off on my own and put up a a solo podcast. Solo, Yeah. Uh, But anyway, it's been a great time for uh, me and my wife to gather together, (laughs) right? And meet and talk and bounce ideas off of each other and also to spend time with each other.
1: You know, they say iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It should be so one husband <laughs> sharpens a wife or wife yeah. sharpens a husband. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. It's the same yep. idea. And it was really good and everything. But also, I just want to be a little honest with you guys out there that we kind of believe the devil's been attacking this <laughs> a little <laughs> Tiny bit.
1: little insignificant um, podcast.
0: Yeah. Even though we probably have like three listeners... That's fine. Uh, the devil doesn't want us to come together and do this. And it's been sometimes stressful on our marriage. And uh, we had a little disagreement a little tiff, before this <laughs> episode. And we were able to talk through it and pray together and uh, come out of it. But that's just something for you guys to be aware of that, you know, you can be in prayer for or think of us in. Uh, if you're blessed by this and you wanted to keep it going and don't want us to get a divorce, <laughs> you can, you can pray, keep us in your prayers for that. Okay. Oh,
2: <laughs> no. that would be terrible.
0: I'm just kidding. Well, but not kidding about the prayers. Yeah. yeah so anyway, definitely. just want to be let you know that it's a real thing. It's a real people on the other end of this microphone. Well, um, I think... Living lives and raising kids.
1: That's a lot of the transparency of knowing us you can't really know us like we've been talking about with the christian media article but we could give you a front we're perfect so just listen to what we say and yeah yeah we're not and we're working through it and i think that's the awesome thing about christian community Mm -hmm. is just encouraging each other when we fail to keep getting back up and seeking jesus
0: yeah and our episode today is going to be awesome
1: as always it's the best one yet yeah don't you love that when people say i really believe this is gonna be the best one yet like Mm -hmm. you said that last year and the year before that
0: (laughs) but this year 2018 is the year of blessing oh right or the year of harvest the Mm -hmm. breakthrough year i wonder what it is i haven't paid attention to prosperity stuff lately
1: i know like how many words how many synonyms and can you use Blessing and yeah,
0: when we were in Bible school each year, we got to hear the newest. This year is the year of harvest, and you know, it's dedicated. And then we were the always some generation like this year, you guys are the Joseph generation or <laughs> the this.
1: Elijah generation, yeah, every Pick up year. The mantle. How m-
0: we're gonna run, we're gonna be in like uh the Nebuchadnezzar generation <laughs> and the, the Melchizedek generation, the, and the Ooh, what uh, about the Benadab or who. <laughs>
1: the job generation sorry guys you're the jobs
0: yeah so who knows that that can just keep going
1: pick a bible character
0: yeah you guys that's got us why is it never women
1: i know why can't we be the ruth the deborah generation we're the women who the jezebel no no. (laughs) No, deborah she okay. was awesome. I just read about her, or the one, oh, what was her name? I just read about her, where she stabbed the tent post oh right, yeah, in the, the guy's, guy's forehead and Temple. Killed him.
0: yeah, we'll be hurt. I did that when I was a kid. My parents. What? <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. I didn't stab someone. I, when my parents, we were growing up, we had this thing where my parents had us each make a devotional for the week or whatever. We had to pick a verse. Okay. And so one one devotional, I picked that verse. <laughs> we read it and talked about it. Oh, nice. And then I like the one too where the guy stabs the guy in the belly in his yeah, and his bat closes read that one around too. the... A knife have, or whatever yeah. it is,
1: and his, he leaves his knife there because the guy was so fat. That's and awesome. then the guys don't go in there to find out if he's okay because they think he's in the bathroom, and it says in there until they became embarrassed, exactly. <laughs> like oh this is awkward. Oh, oh.
0: Right. you know, like they were that honest and that stuff was happening, and people now yes. are like, oh, I don't want to see my chicken before it's killed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's that would be a whole other rant that I've probably already done on this podcast several times.
1: <laughs> but all of all of this joking even goes with what we're saying hmm. because with the Bible.
0: Oh, yeah. How many of you mm-hmm. did
1: not know those Bible stories? How many could you not pick where those are? Yeah. And it goes with what we're talking about today yeah. about reading your Bible. So. And it
0: goes into hopefully more than just memorizing where passages are.
1: Mm-hmm, right. Bible drills?
0: Because uh, I'm i not good at that. My memory's not good, but uh, the importance of being in the Word and mm-hmm. letting it saturate your thinking so that you have a, a different worldview, a Christian worldview, a Bible-centered worldview. Mm-hmm. And then when you make decisions, you might not always know the exact principle to point to, which would be great if you made a big, de- you know, especially if you make big decisions. Yeah. To be able to point to a biblical principle that says why I'm making this decision, but... That it would just saturate your being and your thoughts. Oh, you're jumping ahead. Oh, I'm too far sorry. ahead.
1: Yeah. I know. We got to talk about sheep embryos.
0: Ooh, sheep embryos. I've been waiting Why? to
1: talk about them. We keep <laughs> I keep bringing them up and we don't talk about them.
0: Uh, okay. So what do you have for us about sheep embryos?
1: So it's really weird. You know, we've heard about like cloning and things that people are trying to do. Yeah. Well, scientists announced in February that they created the second successful human-animal hybrids. What? So they take sheep embryos and Uh they insert human cells. Uh Uh-huh. And then they, by cell count, are 0.01% human.
0: Oh, that is so creepy and weird.
1: Yeah, and they won't let them live past... They won't allow them to develop past 28 days because they realize there's ethical implications (laughs) to what they're doing.
0: Oh, crazy. It would be like Narnia everywhere. Well, but
1: what they're doing... So it's really crazy. Human
0: heads on sheep bodies.
1: And they're trying to avoid that. What their purpose is, is literally to harvest organs. Sure. They're trying to use animals... To grow human organs, yeah,
0: kidneys and that's yeah. gross and weird
1: it's crazy, and that's so nuts. I know, and because they say every hour, six people in the United States are added to the national waiting list of organ transplants, sure, okay twenty two each day twenty two people on that list die waiting, wow, so they're saying, you know this is a huge thing, and then in the u s alone, more than a hundred thousand people need a heart transplant every year. And only about 2,000 receive one. Wow. So you think, man, this is a big need. Yeah. But then it got me thinking, well, because my initial response is like, this is so wrong. This is, you can't (laughs) do this. That just screams, this is insane. We're playing God, all of that. But then you think, how is it different than an artificial one? Yeah. Or, because they said, too, people are working with a 3D printer. They're trying to 3D print Wh- organs. What? Yep. No way. And they're also working on, you know, obviously artificial or mechanical organs. Yeah.
0: Well, I was just in a house the other day that the guy had an, a heart transplant. Okay. He had a new person's heart.
1: That's crazy. And yeah,
0: he he was in the hospital for three months.
1: Wow. And
0: I was like, so how do you feel? He's like, great. I'm like, do you feel like a new man? <laughs> He's like, actually, I do. That is like, so that weird. Is nuts.
1: See, and you think that's amazing that we can do that—that that we can give that person life—and then you go forward to—is it worth like harvesting them in other animals? And yeah, it's hard for me it's too crazy. because there is a
0: process of life and death, and yeah. God cursed the earth and you know put death here. Uh, So it is kind of weird, like, are we going against God and, you know, (laughs) trying to live forever?
1: Yeah, like, yeah, what is our value? Do we want to continue to live as long as we can as if life here on earth is it? Yeah. You know, as believers, we think dying is the finish line. Why do we want to keep pushing the finish line farther and farther away? (laughs) Yeah. You know?
0: The, The end to all this suffering
1: I thought it was interesting. One last quote from the article. One of the scientists that's working on these sheep embryo hybrids says, all of these approaches are controversial and none of them are perfect, but they offer hope to people who are dying on a daily basis. He said, Mm -hmm. we need to explore all possible alternatives to provide organs to ailing people. Mm. And so that's valiant. But like we said, as a Christian, what, you know, we need to, wrestle through what our thought process really should be. Yeah. What is our ultimate What goal? is our
0: ultimate uh, stance on sheep slash humans?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's create a thesis.
0: Yeah. Well, like we said last week, the Catholic Church is going to write a thing on gender theory. Now we're going to have to the, – all the churches are going to have to define their stance on sheep humans.
1: <laughs> right. On sheep man, human organs. Man sheep. Or like the – Movie the island only replace all of those people with sheep. Ooh. The sheep realize yeah. that they're real and they have emotions.
0: I'm sure if some video game fantasy nerd. Oh, you know, there's a couple of guys at our church that probably know the exact word for what we're supposed to be saying. Okay. What's that guy on Tumtum? Tums? Tumness? Tumness. Is Tum-ness? Yeah. <laughs> Tumtums is uh, the three ninjas. <laughs> three ninjas. <laughs> Excellent movie by the way, kids. Sorry if you missed Go that. See it.
1: Uh, from the 90s maybe yeah tumness what is tumness mr tumness he's uh
0: he's not a centaur
1: no because it's a there's a goat. real word for it it's a goat human yeah right? i don't know anyway sorry
0: that's just random
1: very i want to, but <laughs> so, slightly on topic
0: slightly so what's been getting me this week and i've been wrestling with this for a couple of weeks ever since i was introduced to a bad podcast. I'll just call it that <laughs> because <laughs> I just, I podcast. can't handle it. It's driving me insane. Yet
1: yeah, you listen to it, which drives I only, me insane. <laughs> yeah. I only listened to
0: like one or two episodes because I wanted to hear their view. I wanted to hear where they're coming from. Essentially it's a group, an organization or whatever you want to call them of, pe- of people who wrestle with Christianity, I guess. And say that they're Christians, and don't live that way at all. They yeah. just take in everything, you know?
1: <sighs> and mock it. it and mock like
0: mock real Christianity and mock bad Christianity, but all kinds of things. It's just the most discouraging thing I've come across in a while, simply because they're taking our name, they're taking the name of a Christian, except they're not doing anything biblical at all. And so it got me thinking, Okay, they even have like atheists on there as guests. They'll have, which is fine, in and of itself, whatever. You know, an atheist wants to come and debate you. That's great, you know. But it's more like we're wrestling with Christianity, with this atheist, as if their point is valid. And that's what really gets me.
1: As if they have an authority.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. as if they know what they're talking about. And then they'll have different theologies on there, like... uh One guy that believes in universalism, another guy that believes uh, open theism, just things that are really bad. And they'll, again, treat them like they're totally legitimate, valid Christian teachings and doctrines. And so it was getting me like, what is going on? Why are these people doing this? And I came to some, not conclusions, but some thoughts on it. I've been thinking this too with people like Rob Bell, how we listened to that clip with him and Oprah, and it was so disgusting and uh, empty and watered down. It was kind of confusing. Like, what are you thinking? Like you, the real thing is you, you really can't be thinking from the Bible because the Bible is so clear and it's so against these things that it it made me realize that I was thinking that there's two major things that are happening here with the Bible. And I, I think they're pervading our culture you see in liberalism. And this is not going to be an announcement to anybody. <laughs> Nobody is going to be surprised by what I'm going to say. But I just want to articulate it and talk about it so that it's in the forefront of our minds.
1: Well, I think it's confusing what's happening and just to give it a label. Yeah. So that a category, a box to put it in say, yep. oh, this is what's happening. when, Yeah. Because it can be really confusing yeah
0: yeah. so i was realizing that we wouldn't be able to have a good conversation with them because i'll just give you an example okay so this podcast has an ex hillsong worship leader on the show okay this person is an atheist they say they've never been a christian they were never a christian yep while they led hillsong they never were a christian they don't want to be a christian they don't want to really be associated with that. And they're just like, oh, this is so great. And they're just celebrating her coming into her own and discovering who she is. And what was that thing? Oh yeah, We had a friend.
1: Yeah, a friend who's <laughs> he's from Hispanic culture. And he said that our culture is funny because people can find themselves. And, yeah. And he said, where were you? <laughs> yeah. Where were you
0: before that you can find yourself? He's just super confused. So they're celebrating her and, you know. Also, mocking Christianity at the same time. And I was just like, it's really discouraged. Like, this is not cool. You know, they have thousands and thousands of listeners. Not that I care about that at all, but that it's showing that their message is striking a chord with people
1: yeah. and
0: they're resonating with it. And then I think about Rob Bell and I thought, oh, they're not the same. You know, okay, this person is also saying, you know, I want to believe. I've heard this a lot actually from atheists. Mm-hmm. I want to believe. I just can't. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like,
1: well, well. And the truth is, they can't. Their yes. eyes, the Holy Spirit has not opened their eyes to see the beauty of Christ. And that's why they can't believe.
0: Yes. And I happen to have those verses pulled up, oh. Miranda.
1: <laughs> Second Fabulous. Corinthians
0: four, three through four. And we can't even use these verses because of what I'm about to tell you. Okay. okay? Second Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Okay, so that'd be this girl. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Mm -hmm. They're literally blinded. They can't see the gospel. They can't see the glory of God. And so it's confusing to them. Because churches have presented this weird, uh, we'll talk about this later, this package, Mm -hmm. this product that is Christianity, that's the Bible, that's God. Hey, do believe in him and he's going to give you all these great things. Mm -hmm. So they get confused because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that. So they come to the Bible and they can do two things that I've discovered just in my thought process. There's more options. There's a myriad. There's a scale whatever. But there's two primary ways that I've seen these two people respond. Okay. One would be your disbelieving in general. That's your atheists, a lot of liberal, even these mainstream Christians now look at these surveys. You know, do you believe the Bible is true? Do you believe it's the inerrant, infallible, actual words of God? The answer is no.
1: Yeah, they don't believe that.
0: Well, if you don't believe that, Now you got a whole nother can of worms you got to deal with. And then you have to ask yourself, why do I believe any of it? You know, if this isn't the word of God, why do I believe this? I mean, it's just a story that somebody could have made up. Well, then live your life that way. Don't take out the one central truth, which would be, you know, maybe, hey, if I believe in God, I'll go to heaven. Well, what are you basing that on? Are you making that up?
1: Yeah, it makes me wonder if people are going off of that built-in innate feeling we have, knowing we're designed to worship God, to live according to his principles. And so they Mm -hmm. know it's truth and recognize it as truth, Yeah, but they only want to recognize it to the point that they're comfortable with it. Yeah. And this
0: is where the veil comes in, you know, where they say, I want to believe, but I can't. Yeah, because the God of this world has blinded your eyes. And that's been different gods or things throughout the years like right now it's probably definitely a lot of materialism right <laughs> the god of this world you know nice co- or i should say more like comfort comfort and convenience you know aesthetics things gotta look pretty uh they have to i have to feel really comfortable in my house
1: i and- wonder what people think they want when they say that like what yeah. do they actually want what are they after because I don't think it's really to believe in God. They don't want to believe that they're sinners and God had to come to die for them to yeah. set them free. That's not what they want to believe. So what do they want?
0: Yeah. And why pretend that you want to believe? Like If yeah. you don't believe, just go be an atheist. Right. And if you really want to believe and it sounds good, well then do some studying.
1: Right. I mean, and maybe research it a little bit. And maybe it is <laughs> that, going back to kind of what I said, maybe it is that, they don't really want to but the testimony of Christ and of mm-hmm. God as creator is here in this earth it there sounds
0: are, compelling there yeah. are, well, well and yeah, there's
1: verses that show that even if nobody tells them the earth speaks mm-hmm. of who God is mm-hmm. and they will not they will be without excuse yeah and so maybe that's what it is where they're saying really what they should say is I don't want to believe <laughs> but I Kind of get the sense that there, that, is, I should. that there is a God.
0: I should believe this, but I really don't want to. Yeah. That's probably being a little more honest. Yeah, yeah. That's... So the first one I was thinking about is they're just rejecting it straight out, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they can't see it as true. They can't see it as lovely as the words of God. You know, it's full of errors. It's a story. It's a fable. It's fairy tale. You know, you name it. The yeah. other one I was thinking about is... It's kind of an undermining of the actual words based on the cultural context behind the writing. So this is where I think like somebody from like Rob Bell's camp is going to come from where they might believe the Bible. Well, I don't even think he believes it's the inerrant word of God. I've, but I, they might believe that the Bible is true, but they don't believe that we can understand it as it was written or is that as it's meant to be understood. So they think you have to know the culture or be in the original culture in order to understand and apply or have any of the meaning at all be real to your life in the Bible. So like, you know, this is where we get modesty. Oh, you know, that was just for them at that time or, and especially homosexuality, you know, this is their biggest argument is that, these words don't mean what you think they mean. So when we talk about, you know, men exchanging relations or the natural relations for other men, you know, in, in my mind, I think homosexuality, I think it's natural for a man to be with a woman. And then Romans clearly states they exchanged God for a lie and began worshiping the creation instead of the creator exchanging the natural relationships between a man and a woman for a man and a man. And it says men lied with men and women with women. I mean,
1: that's plain as day. So that's where they would say we don't really know what that meant.
0: Yeah. You know, but that, that's just not the case. That's not true at all. Um, they're just trying to do gymnastics around it so that they can make it say what they want it to say. I mean, if you do even a little tiny bit of research, on that topic, which we're not addressing right now, you're going to find out what it really was saying back then. And you're going to find out that it's actually very clear. That's what they were talking about. So the tendency with people is to throw out the whole Bible, kind of like throw out the baby with the bathwater. Sure. You know, they wouldn't say that. And in fact, most of them probably would never say something like that. But what happens, and I'm mostly strictly mostly talking about the lay person
2: who's struggling
0: with these things I'm not necessarily talking about somebody who's out there studying and you know but these people like the mainstream and liberals and what they tend to do is just you know set that to the side and not deal with it
1: and I think it's probably easy to do that if you don't know the original Hebrew and Greek you know, if yeah. as a layperson you're not studying those. So you think, well, we can't know what that means. Exactly. No, somebody does because somebody right. does know Hebrew and Greek <laughs> exactly. and the historical context.
0: Yes, it's mm-hmm. true. And then they throw out the whole thing and right. say, well, we can't really know what that says. So if, if that person thinks they never studied the Hebrew and Greek, well, then they kind of just have this thought that nobody does. Right. And that is absolutely not true. You know, we may not know every little detail about the cultural context or the people at the time uh, of the writing. But the Bible was written in such a way and God intended it to be clear. He intended us to know what it said and to understand what it said and to be able to live it out and apply it to our lives. And a lot of the things in the Bible are crystal clear, like the gospel.
3: Mm -hmm. Jesus
0: history raising from the dead those things are so valuable and so important and you can't throw that stuff out and if and here's where I'm getting at with this okay you can't tell me that you're just in the word loving God and and reading through first Peter or some
1: (laughs) and praying like David did search my heart and know me creating me a clean heart yeah
0: and the reason I say that is because the word is so clear And what I've been really convicted about lately is having the word shape your mind. Being in the word, when you read like entire books of the Bible at the same time, at just one sitting, you read 1 Peter, one sitting, you read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians or whatever, and letting that entire letter soak in, you get the context, you see how they're writing, you see what Paul's heart is, you know, it changes you. And that... That's why it's so important to be in the word daily. I mean, renewing your mind. That's how God designed it.
1: And not just being able to take that one scripture out from a cool yeah. quote you saw or that was hanging on someone's wall and then deciding what it meant, mm-hmm. but reading that whole chapter or that whole letter that was written to a particular yeah. people. and yeah.
0: But our culture has done that so much mm-hmm. that it's kind of ruined it for people. And they don't believe that they can redeem it. They don't believe that it's true because they're hearing all these, you know, or like one of their arguments is oh there's a hundred denominations, oh there's a hundred books on systematic theology. Yeah, but if you take the core of what those people believe, um most all of the major denominations and these systematic theologies disagree so insignificantly in yeah, a lot of these areas and it doesn't affect your salvation. It's just different ways that people worship, different ways that they see particular passages and apply them.
1: And I think just like they're doing themselves, they're taking people who are mislabeling themselves as Christians and saying, oh, well, these people, they believe this over here where Mm -hmm. Bible-believing Christians are going to say, no, those people aren't Christians. So we're not even concerned with what their beliefs are because they're not really Christians.
0: Exactly. And it comes back to what I'm saying. How do you view the Bible? And this is where I was trying to go with that. You brought it around nicely, is when you disagree on these issues and the Bible, maybe you need to take a step back and see how you're coming at the Bible. Yeah. Do you agree with this person that these are the very words of God?
1: Well, it's yeah. And that's really neat because I actually I want to start that dialogue with a really close friend of mine because we know we don't agree on everything. But then sometimes she'll say, Well, I'll pray for you. Or we talk about God in a way that I think I don't think you see (laughs) God the same way I do. Are we so yeah? And so I want to start to say, you know what? I love you and I respect you. I value you. We know we don't agree on everything, but let's figure out where we're Mm -hmm. both coming from and find out where her authority is. Is it in the word? Is she not understanding the word, you know, where is this disconnect coming where we do end up in totally different camps on some of these things? Because I think it comes down to the way we're viewing the authority of scripture.
0: Yeah. I had had a couple clips pulled out for this, but I think we're just going to pass on some of them. They're, of course, in the show notes. I'll leave them in the show notes. And there's some really good videos. If you're wondering about the Bible or if you have questions about the authority of scripture or how we got it, that's a big thing is how did we get our Bible? We got it in a very wonderful, amazing way. And God did it on purpose. It wasn't an accident. Uh, I think as James White, someone said, you know, would you rather have the Quran where they had all these different versions, right? And then at one point in history, one guy burns all the other versions. Oh, wow. And then says from this point on, this is the authoritative version, version. And then you can only use that one. Okay. So now you're relying on that one random, maniacal, crazy person wow. at one point in history, to, you know, and your mm-hmm. book has tons of errors. And yeah. Or would you rather have tens of thousands of manuscripts in which you can compare
2: mm-hmm. all the
0: way back to an incredibly close point in history to Christ? Giving us incredible detail and accuracy to what we can actually know about the original text. Yeah. And, and we say that because we say the original is inspired, the original is inerrant, but not necessarily every manuscript. Right. Um, But it, the more you dig into that – so this is what my journey was a little bit. I got introduced to textual criticism and I thought, oh, pff, great. We can't know what the Bible is. I was scared. I thought my faith is shot, you know. <laughs> But then you push through that little barrier and you start to actually study how we got our Bible and And the transmission process.
1: Most people don't know that. So it's easy to throw things out or to take it more loosely.
0: Yeah. And it actually builds your faith. Right. You think, wow, we have an incredibly beautiful book that's really accurate. And it's just getting more accurate all the time. Um, because all these people are gathering, you know, historically yeah. proven true. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. So that's good stuff. Anyway, I pulled out some quotes. Uh, Doctor James White is the Bible, the Word of God. I'll just play this one, and then we're gonna move on. There's some really good resources on our website. Uh, just a couple clips, but of course, YouTube, you know, etc., has some awesome things as well.
3: It is next to impossible to present a consistent Christian perspective if you do not believe that God has spoken with clarity. And so it is interesting to note that the liberal church in the United States gave up on doing apologetics a long time ago. You just don't simply, you, just, you don't find liberal apologists. You don't see them engaging uh, Islam. Uh, you don't see them engaging atheism, um, defending the accuracy of the transmission of Scripture. They can't do so because fundamentally they've already given up the central claim of the Christian faith, and that is, God has spoken. He has spoken with finality in Jesus Christ, but he has spoken in his word because that's what Jesus taught. And the only way we can know anything about Christ is through his word. And that's
0: the point that you throw out the Bible and you try to twist it around or not, you know, bring it out of context or say we can't know it unless we know all that history behind it. Um, you're just going to end up not believing in Christ, you know, undermining the validity of scripture when the truth is, if you took a little bit of time and started to study it, you'd be super excited and you'd have a lot of confidence in what we do have as our Bible. You're going to say something?
1: Yeah. Another issue that I've been seeing myself in coming up is that the whole concept of familiarity breeds contempt. Mm-hmm. Because when we think about back to that cruise ships or churches becoming like cruise ships, the mega churches, and saying how we aren't necessarily trying to evangelize the lost. We're trying to church people. We're trying mm, to get people yeah. in our doors in churches. So we have these people who don't love Jesus. They haven't truly been evangelized. Nobody's really shared the gospel with them, but we're trying to get them in our church. So then they're yeah. sitting there without the love of Christ in their hearts, with their blinded veil. Mm-hmm. They're hearing the word of God. Mm-hmm. They're hearing these truths. And the the concept of familiarity breeds contempt. A few things that I found said, The better we know people, the more likely we are to find fault with them. If you know someone very well or experience something a lot, you stop respecting them. And then the third thing is the more you know someone or something, the more you start to find faults and dislike things about it or them. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think that I've seen that a lot in people who are sitting in the church, not loving Christ, not yeah. seeking to grow in their faith. They don't
0: have the Holy Spirit illuminating scripture to them. And
1: causing it to be beautiful and loving it. It's becoming foolishness to them yeah. where it's wise to those of us who believe. And so it's breeding contempt. Yeah. So now they have to use these other devices to rationalize it away or to, yeah. to change it and... Uh, I just think that's unfortunate. And even Jesus himself experienced this in Matthew 6, 1 through 6, actually. Uh, It's where the people are saying, who is this guy? He's just the carpenter's son. Like, aren't his brothers with us? His sisters are right here. Why should we believe him? And it actually says, and they took offense at him. (laughs) Yeah. They found him to be offensive. Who are you? (laughs) Right. You're nobody, and you're going to tell us that you're the son of God. So even Jesus had that offense come to him personally because of just that familiarity piece of it. And so in our quest, and we can get into that in another show of what's the role of the church? Is it to evangelize the lost <laughs> within the walls of the church or is it to build up the believer? How do we handle yeah. that? But
0: Yeah. So bottom line, you know, know your word, know the Bible, trust it. Um but if you don't trust it, if you have a hard time with it right now, Go do a little research. There's a lot of great books. There's books that are even uh, made for, to introduce you to the subject, so you don't you're not reading like some big theological treatise at the beginning, right? Um, but we, you know, I'll put a link to a good book that I know of um, in there too, if you if you want to check it out. And that brings us to the quote of the day, which is by Leonard Ravenhill. When there is something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. And that relates. Of course it relates because I picked it out. But
1: Right. <laughs> divinely inspired. It's
0: divinely inspired. What a coincidence. <laughs> when there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. Yeah, I like it. Oh, we we can't be modest. That's, that's legalism. That's just legalism. That's not my problem. That's the guy's problem. Right. That's the... And
1: do people make it legalistic? Yes, but that doesn't. The whole throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yep. It's in the Bible. And yeah. we,
0: Christ gave us commands and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. And, <laughs> and he says, how do you know you love me? Because you kept you my keep commandments. My, yes.
1: And it's just funny because when we view it as legalism, there are rules to follow rather than seeing a loving father giving his children instructions. Don't touch the fire. Yeah. Oh, he's so legalistic. He won't let me touch the fire. It's bright red and it's yeah. fun. No, you're going to get burned.
0: Yep. You're going to get burned or you're going to burn someone else. Right.
1: It's (laughs) for your good. Yeah. That's good.
0: I like it. Okay. Well, yeah, it's time for a commercial break.
1: Oh, man. It's always always a good one. I'm always wondering (laughs) what's happening now.
2: Hello, I'm April Nagel, one of the founders and CEO of Christian Bling. We are a direct sales company exclusively marketing original faith-inspired jewelry and accessories. My husband and I have built and sold many successful businesses over the years, and this has allowed our children to witness firsthand the ups and downs, the sacrifice, and really the devotion required to build multimillion-dollar businesses. But more importantly, it has allowed us to develop a valuable, belief system. The belief that from a simple heartfelt idea, a good business plan, some very hard work, and a true faith, just about anything can be accomplished. I had been dabbling in jewelry making over the years using vintage crosses and medals, and one day I woke up with the idea for a business. It was always a struggle to find trendy and attractive faith-based gifts. I recognized a need to offer authentic, faith-inspired accessories that we would all actually wear and not hide away in a drawer or only put on for special occasions. But for us, the mission went way beyond teaching our girls about business. We believe that wearing our trendy and fun jewelry communicated our faith in a unique way. Our reverence for the meaning behind the Christian symbols used in our designs really meant something to us. Our approach had an apostolic aspect that we believed was important. I've always believed women need and should have their own money. Second, our products communicate our faith in subtle ways. Like St. Francis of Assisi said, preach unceasingly and use words if you have to. The symbols of our faith silently speak volumes. And many faith conversations have begun from someone just noticing a bracelet or a necklace that one of us is wearing. It's almost too good to be true. It's not really selling when your product literally sells itself.
0: Yep. So go off and buy your Christian bling.
1: (laughs) It's expensive. Yeah, I was just looking at their Facebook. I couldn't. Well, just... you don't
0: make multi-million-dollar companies off of cheap stuff.
1: I, my parents never modeled to me what sacrifice it would take to build a multi-million-dollar business.
0: Yeah, so so get started right now. You can work from I home can. selling it.
1: Right, I can. So
0: it's based on scripture.
1: Well, yeah, and it says our mission is to help promote that faith is beautiful and our best accessory. Ooh. It's an accessory to your life.
0: It is just faith is the best accessory to have. Yeah, because you need faith when you when you're persecuted.
1: I think are these saints on there?
0: I don't know. Well, you know, she quoted St. Francis of Assisi. So, you know, she's theological.
1: She's very theologically sound.
0: <laughs> oh, because I she love just it.
1: uses her necklaces to preach.
0: Yeah, to people. I've got a couple um, links. If you type in that, you know, that quote is largely misattributed to Saint Francis of Assisi. And uh, I just thought it was hilarious that she went ahead and used it blatantly because obviously she doesn't know because she's never actually looked it up. Right. Because if you look it up, you'll find out that all the articles are saying he didn't say that. Ouch. So there's a couple articles there. If you're really curious about it, I put them up on our website
3: Whoops.
0: about, you know, Saint Francis. He's a good guy, I think, but he just didn't say that. Right. Preach the gospel at all times and always use words. Yeah. That's a better way to say it.
1: Probably quote Jesus. <laughs> go preach the gospel and make disciples. Yeah. Not that jewelry's bad.
0: Yeah. Not that jewelry's <laughs> bad in and of itself. It's kind of the way you go about it. And again, if you're reading the word and saturated in the word, how are you going to be even close to coming up with that kind of a thing? Uh, this is, I think the reason this stuff irks me so bad is because I'm in people's houses every single day literally a thousand houses a year or more. I mean, You've
1: been in a lot of people's houses.
0: A couple hundred a month I mm-hmm. go in. Um and so I see every range from the most expensive million dollar homes in in the cities and then I go up to the suburbs and I see all these housing developments and I go to the trailer parks, I go to the ghetto, I see everybody's houses cuz Everybody has direct TV.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> even if you're it, poor, you it, can still afford cable.
0: Yep, it doesn't discriminate. In fact, the government <laughs> will probably give it to you if you don't want to work. Um, so I see everybody and it just irks me because, you know, I see all these verses on people's walls and they're, you know, they have like a 5,000 square foot house and they've got two people living there. You know, two Porsches in the driveway and then some verse on the wall. And then... You know, judgmentally, I ask, uh, what if a homeless guy walked up to this place? Would you entertain them? Would you let them in? Would you let them eat your food? I mean, take this verse in James here. I, ha- I have it pulled up on my phone here. Just a second. Uh, I just lost my verses. It's because it refreshed. I hate when it does that.
1: I hate refresh. Uh
0: Like this. It says, uh, James 2.14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save, that, save them? And he's not talking about that your deeds are what give you saving faith. Right. He's saying if you have saving faith, it's going to look like something. Mm-hmm. Your works are going to show because if you love somebody, you're going to do something about it, right? And he says, if one of you says to, to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed. But you do nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. The generous, this is Proverbs, the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. Okay? This is Mm -hmm. what convicted me about this. Okay? I had to ask myself, if a homeless man walked up to my house, knocked on my door, and said, Hey, I need help. Can I sleep here tonight? would i let them what would i do what would my reaction be i had to think about that you know i've got a house that has more than enough room in it right. i've got extra beds and you know even if i didn't what would my reaction be
1: mhm yeah i mean i i think you would because i always well, think don't
0: don't ask about me but ask about yourself what don't, would you don't do don't make
1: this about me
0: <laughs> <laughs> What would you do? Well,
1: I think it's easy. I don't know about easy, but for us, we usually tend to think, yeah, we would. Like you pick up hitchhikers all the time and give them a ride (laughs) and things like that. But at the same time, there is that stigma maybe with a homeless person or feeling almost like the person might actually be kind of crazy and you kind of are like, oh, you're not my problem. Just Mm -hmm. move on.
0: And what about safety? Yeah. What would you think about well, that? Well, with four
1: little girls, it would be. I would probably have them all sleep in our room.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you would do it. You'd have the homeless guy sleep here. I,
1: I think so. I don't. I know. would. I think so. But
0: I would do the same thing. I'd either camp out outside their door in one of those yeah. like one of those wooden chairs where I'm leaned up against the wall like a right hospital security guard at the door of a which probably hospital would room. feel
1: super hospitable.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't probably do that. I would just set it up so it wasn't awkward. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. So you know, I was thinking about it. And I had to think about it because I wanted to know what would I do. What does would I do? The right thing would Scripture uh, overtake my flesh and my selfishness and my sense of security? Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and um, I think we've had ample opportunity to display that in Africa and wrestle with some of the implications mm-hmm. of. What does it look like? Are you enabling and all of that? And I feel like yeah. at the end of it, we came to the kind of more of the realization that God calls us to give. He doesn't call us to discern yeah, what it's going to be used for or that our money is going to be used in the most, right, you know, whatever sort of way or, oh, well, mm-hmm. this is going to be used, which is no God calls us to give and.
0: Yeah, he called you to give, and worrying about the results are up to him. And
1: he's not as concerned with our money as we are concerned with our money. He's <laughs> right? concerned with our heart. Yeah. And so if our heart is, you know what, hey, bless you, man, I love you. It's God's judgment is going to come on them for using it wrongly. Yeah. Not us.
0: You know, it does come down to reality. You know, like there is a sense of stewardship that we should have for our stuff. And that is all throughout the Bible. Yeah. You know, what are you giving your money at?
1: Right. And even thinking of the talents. If you, you know, I can hear somebody saying, Well, God has really blessed me in my business and I give here and I give there. Okay, so if you're given ten talents, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: are you stewarding back ten talents and you're right. Are you stewarding ten talents or are you
0: really just stewarding one of those talents? Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And that's it's a hard balance to make. I think even living in Africa, we saw how vastly different our lives were and we felt like yeah we're giving and we're doing we're this because we were so rich over there but then you compare how much excess we had in comparison to our african uh christians mm-hmm. you know there's that wrestling of oh yeah how do we how do we rightly decide what the appropriate level of living is you know mm-hmm. we could all live in sackcloth and Yeah, it's a good thing to wrestle with, though. And if you're not wrestling with it, there's a condition in your heart that probably needs to be addressed.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was for me is just thinking, okay, what would I do in that situation? Before I judge others, Yeah, I want to make sure that I'm ready to give. I'm ready to feed the poor. I'm ready to accept them into my own home. Uh, I'm ready to go to them. Uh, That leads me to a thing I wanted to share. We want to kind of highlight some of the mm, persecuted Christians, Voice of the Martyrs kind of stuff. This is a clip uh, that's been edited a little bit from Voice of the Martyrs, just to give a little contrast, a little biblical perspective. Right.
1: (laughs) Open our eyes to what's going on, not just this world here. Yeah, the actual
0: reality of what's going on. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
3: When we live among people who are resistant to or openly hostile to our faith, it's hard, sometimes terrifying to stand strong and to live out our identification as followers of Jesus. But since the earliest Bible times, God has called people to serve him even as they face challenging circumstances. Even small acts that identify you as a Christian can trigger horrible retribution Courage that is rooted in God's power and faithfulness is essential. ISIS claiming responsibility for this. ISIS continues to dominate headlines in the Western world.
0: My name is Aram. I'm originally from Iran, from Kurdistan, Sina, And since 2003, I'm living as a refugee in Kurdistan of Iraq. The reason that because we converted to Christianity. Then when the intelligence in Iran, they find out about us... They took my father to the jail in Iran, and then they tortured him for a week. So when they released him, after four or five days, he passed away. What what my family are thinking about me. So then he went out and started a Christian company.
1: Multi-million dollar. Yeah, multi-million
0: dollar Christian company.
1: To prove his sacrifice.
0: All this has happened to them, and they are facing difficulties because of me. I was really mad on myself. I didn't know that like I should continue on my activities and doing evangelize going on missions or not.
3: He knew what's happened and he knew what he knows what's going to happen again but yet he's still out there doing it. I
1: can't watch this footage and just think, oh wow, wouldn't it be tough to be a Christian in Iraq? I'm really thankful I live here and then go back to my comfortable pew Sunday morning. Like, this has to do something to me. This is the body of Christ. This has to change something deep inside me that's like, I want that kind of
3: courage. Courage for Christ is about doing His will, even in the face of danger. God has promised that sometimes we will face trials, But he's also promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. So what about you? Can you say with our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church that nothing will stop you because you know that God is with
2: you?
0: He said, God gives us courage in the face of danger. And Mm -hmm. what it made me think of in America courage in the face of comfort. Um, Are you courageous enough to position your life and change your life uh, in order to love God and love people better? Take those things that are, you know, giving you unnecessary and probably unhelpful comfort uh, that are training you and numbing you, dulling you to the truths of God and um taking away your ability to actually act. Um, because you gotta protect your stuff. You know, you gotta protect your Porsche and your those rooms have to be cleaned all the time. So you got to hire a, you know, a cleaning service. And it just it goes out of proportion.
1: Yeah. And I think too, we need to challenge ourselves as believers of what are we characterized by? Because we can, it's easy for us to come down on these multi-million dollar homes and these yeah. empty rooms, but how many of us have been given one talent and we're burying it? Yep. You know, it's easy to say, oh, well, you have 10 talents, but you're only using five. That's only half of them. Well, some of us are given less, but are we stewarding it in the same way? And are we characterized by the things of God? Are you in your multi-million dollar home? Yeah. Yeah. And you're being, you're characterized by the love of God. You're constantly, like, I think there was, back with one of the hurricanes, there was a multimillionaire who had some huge, I don't remember him who he was, but he had some huge mansion and there was an orphanage that was destroyed and he actually took all the orphans in, Mm -hmm. he let them like have a movie night and all this fun stuff. And that got a lot of press and it should have, because it was a good deed, but I'm sure he's not doing That his whole life, (laughs) you know,
0: (laughs) he had the movie night and then he's like, all right, see you guys.
1: Yeah, he did his good deed, check the box. And that's easy for us to do is to do one thing and say, oh, yeah, yeah," and feel really good about ourselves. But Mm -hmm. are we truly characterized by the love of Christ?
0: Yeah, this needs to be a radical shift. I mean, I know I'm being harsh, but I don't think I'm saying anything outside of the word of God. This is radical. This this calls for life change. And what you said just triggered something to me, too, is like maybe you're single. And you don't have a house and you don't have a family and you don't have bills. Are you just, you don't know, going into work and then binge watching Netflix every night? You know right. what I mean? Like it's what you said. You're given one talent, but you're just squandering it. Yeah. You have hours and hours to spend studying.
1: Yeah. Well, Paul even says it's better for people to be single because you can yeah. serve God all the more.
0: Yeah. You don't have to focus so much on your family. Uh, so, yeah, the point isn't, do. are you wasting millions of dollars? The point is, how is your life set up right now? Mm-hmm. Are you just going about your day? And the, and the key is to be in the word. Are you reading the word and then letting it wash over you and apply to you and say, yeah, wow, that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. But it's true. And I need to do that. Uh, One thing would be, you know, like this voice of the martyrs thing, like that girl said at the end, is this going to cause you to shift and move into action? Uh, One way you can stand with the voice of the martyrs, with the persecuted church is the secret church that's coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, You can go to radical.net or just Google secret church 2018, David David Platt. This year it's on cults and counterfeit gospels. Basically, they, uh, let me just read it. I have it up here. Uh, it's Friday, April 20th. So it's coming up next month, April 20th on a Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's broadcast everywhere. It's, it's kind of cool. It's
1: simulcast. Yeah, yeah, it's like
0: on video. And then all these churches across America, all these people gather in homes. Well, and,
1: across the world, they have people yeah. in other countries. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: all across the world because that's how our world works now. Right, we can all be connected <laughs> I'm just in like tiny little... Yeah, people over in North Carolina get it too. <laughs> um, so basically, they take a subject. So this year, it's cults and counterfeit gospels. And they just teach on it for hours. <laughs> and yeah. it goes off into the night. And they spend time praying for the persecuted church. And you all gather together and you you pray with one another.
1: And highlighting really how churches... We can meet so freely every single week, multiple weeks, have Bible studies, but it's kind of sharing in the suffering of the persecuted churches who aren't free to meet. And so they have this intense, it goes at least until midnight where you're just learning and you're together and you're praying to give just the tiniest glimpse of what an underground church might be. Yeah. You know, the tiniest, without the, fear the of, tiniest glimpse. Yeah. Tiniest without glimpse.
0: that fear of, you know, machine guns coming through the door and yeah. knocking everyone down. But yeah, that's true. What we get to, you know, relate to them, pray for them, uh, think about them. Secret churches are a version of a gathering then where we meet for an intense time of Bible study, prayer for our brothers and sisters around the
3: world who are facing persecution. Secret Church is not for the uncommitted or the faint at heart, but if you want to know God
0: more deeply through His Word and know His church more fully around the world, then Secret Church is designed for you. It's not just to come and learn for one night and kind of have an event, but the goal is to pray together, to study the Word together, and then to use what we've learned during that gathering to make disciples of Jesus more faithfully right where we live and then wherever God may lead us around the world, maybe even to places where it's difficult and dangerous to share the gospel. Yeah, so join us in that. Our church is going to be doing and we look forward to that. Well, Miranda, so (laughs) we're going long now yeah so i'm gonna cut us off we'll talk about the article that we have we've been going through an article Um, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that next week okay because we have a lot anyway for it so i thought we're just gonna go another hour right nobody (laughs) wants to be
1: here that long
0: no so i'm gonna leave us with a quote uh this is from john stott awesome theologian amazing theologian i'm gonna leave us with this quote okay we must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior.
1: That's so good.
0: And that's what it will do? It's,
1: it will. If you let it. Yeah, <laughs> if, you let it. if you pay attention to it, if you don't let that familiarity yeah. breed the contempt and...
0: And if you don't just gloss over the things you've read a thousand times, think about what they're calling you to do.
1: And not through the filter of your own culture, because I think it's easy to excuse things away mm-hmm. based on how we understand it or how our culture justifies. Well, no, you need time to yourself or you yeah. need this or you need that. You need that. security. Yeah. and
0: That's not a right in the Bible. There's right. nothing about that, you know? Uh, get a study Bible. That's what I was thinking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if you are if you have trouble doubting or if you have trouble understanding the word, that, that should not be an excuse anymore. No. We have the internet. We have all these resources. Get a study Bible, MacArthur Study Bible or the Reformation Study Bible. There's some really good ones out there. And then when you read the passage and you're wondering about it, you have it right there and explains it, gives mm-hmm. the history, gives the biblical context, the historical context that it was in.
1: Those things that we just can't know. Yeah. The things (laughs) we
0: just can't know.
1: (laughs) They're there on the page, just below it, which is really great.
0: And I also want to leave us with that verse uh, that I was talking about earlier. Um, John 14, 21 through 24. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Right. Right. How simple that is. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Man, Yeah, and that's a beautiful note to end on for your day at work or your day at home or whatever you're doing listening to this.
1: Yeah, love Jesus. Keep yeah. his commands. Yeah, it's They're not about legalism. It's mm-hmm. just about
0: loving him and yeah. loving others. So I'm Matt signing off.
1: And I'm Miranda signing off All as right, well. <laughs> Until
0: next time, ascribe God his glory and declare his marvelous works.